For September 4th, 2023, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 792. Ditmuthaville. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, never happier than when we are kicking back from the labor that we enact every time we podcast. Uh, we're not podcasting today or yesterday. We are pre-recording this one so that we can celebrate Labor Day. Uh, I am Comrade Matthew Rather. I'm a member of three AFL-CIO affiliated unions. Uh, I'm joined by Comrade Peter Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hey, brother man. Hey, brother. And, uh, and Mark. Hello, brother Mark. Comrade. Don't you remember the bit, Matt? I'm management. Oh, that's true. <laughs> You are, yes, I my, absolutely. I got my thumb on you, keeping you down. Making me fill up, making me uh, come up with smart goals. Making me come up with <laughs> objectives and key results. I mean, you're, are you joking? Because that is actually my job. That is, uh, is that, do you use the OKR methodology? I mean, not precisely, but plenty of people around me do. So effectively, yes. I think, you know, I, I've been involved in a lot of like tech companies. I've had sort of a volatile career just because of the nature of the kind of company that I work with. So rather than having, you know, at, at the age of 43, rather than having like two or three employers, I've had, you know, I don't know what, 10 or something like that. Um, and, and much more clients when I was self-employed. And, uh, I can tell you with absolute certainty that in the sample size that I have, you know what 100% of companies do with their objectives and key results? What do they do with them at? Nothing. It's an expensive exercise in list making. <laughs> they do nothing with their objectives and with their key key results. I've uh, I've run this experiment almost a dozen times in the field. So we're laboring. Our objective, our key result is to uh, is to relax. Pete, are you doing anything interesting for uh, for Labor Day? Are you celebrating uh, the the working the working man uh, in any yeah. particular way? I mean, I'm so I probably will be celebrating one particular working man uh, who is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Franklin the Turtle. You guys okay. know Franklin the Turtle. Uh, we he, my uh, my son just got into Franklin the Turtle. He read he read a book about it at school, or he had a book anyway, at school read about it. Any relation to Yertle? Yertle the Turtle? Uh, they I believe they are not related, but they might have actually uh, gone on some dates together from TurtleDate.com or uh -huh. something. like that. What would you call a dating app for turtles? <laughs> uh, shells? Shell, no. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, shell, shell game? Oh, shell sorry. game, yeah. Shell um, shock? Snapper? S-N-A-P-P-R. That's it. That's totally it. Yeah, yeah. S-N-A-P-P-R. <laughs> so um, we had the whole thing where, uh, you know, oh, there's he likes this book. There's a TV show that's based on the book. It's from the late 90s and early 2000s. And let's see where it's on. So I have the Just Watch app, which is one of my favorite apps, and I use that app to figure out what streaming surface something is streaming on, whether it's a movie or a or a TV show or whatever. And so Pete, would you say that the that the Just Watch ad is a sort of guide to TV, or maybe a TV <laughs> guide? Something of that sort. Yes. Oh, I like a TV guide. Yeah, sure. Um, it might help you digest your soap operas or something like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other things they would sell that would uh, show. It is about a parade. Of television, I don't know if Parade in the newspaper used to tell you what was on television, but at any rate, 
uh, looking it up. When you look up a show that your kid comes across and really likes, at least in my experience, and it's not for free anywhere other than on some random app you never heard of, uh, that often is a sign that it's good. <laughs> like it's probably not terrible or, or a movie like, uh, you know, my, my son was also into cloudy with a chance of meatballs, which we couldn't stream for free, you know, on any of the things we were, you know, for free and the things we were already paying for. And so I, you know, I, we rented it and then, you know, pay a couple bucks for it and watch it. Oh, it's really good. It's one of his favorites. So now I bought it. Right. Uh, which you would do back in the day with physical media easily enough. And he's probably watched it 12 times. Uh, and and great, awesome. So Franklin, the TV series, is also something that uh, uh, was was not available easily for streaming. You had to subscribe to some random service I never heard of. So we I bought the first season of it, and it is so sweet. It is incredibly sweet. It's like it's the most. It's it's like it's so courageous because it's huh. just a super stripped down show about a kid who like does things from their own perspective, like, like, and the kid is just a turtle and all of the kids friends are different animals and these parents are turtles and their parents are different animals. And there's an owl who's the teacher, but like that whole contrivance doesn't really add much, at least in the first season episode I watched, it was like, Oh, you know, he, he, it's his first day of school and he gets up early and he, uh, he wakes his parents up two hours before the bus shows up, and they're a little frustrated, and so they make pancakes. I'm sure this is what Bluey is like, too, right? Which is like, it's just regular people doing regular people things, but they happen to be animals. Um, but in this case, it's just, you know, he's very excited to go to school. He's like, he wants to go on the bus. He gets to eat his pancakes, right? And then all he goes to school, and he gets to, like, see the letters and his name. And it's all of these little moments that are... Uh, just really feel like they're under they're under just no pressure to force any sort of uh, entertainment experience. And it's just a lovely show. And and, and my son really likes it. So uh, while I don't have plans to travel and I hope to see some friends, one thing I will definitely be doing is hanging out with my new buddy, Franklin, for at least some of the screen time that we will permit over the course of the long weekend. Uh, more if there is rain. Yeah, Peter, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a flag on this and and okay. uh, call a penalty of counter revolutionary uh, because uh, the Franklin books are authored by Paulette Bourgeois and really? uh, <laughs> and today is supposed to be a day celebrating the proletariat, not the bourgeoisie. Are you telling me that Paulette Bourgeois is not a worker just because <laughs> she's bourgeois? Like, <laughs> no, writer, writers are writers are workers. Writers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your hand cramps. Mark, are you doing anything uh, anything to celebrate labor? Sure. Before I describe that, uh, Pete, why don't you just kind of why don't you stop guessing what Bluey is like and just watch Bluey? Well, I'm not. I can watch it myself. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it'll make your life better. It really will. It's okay. Good, okay. Pete. Just just um, like sitting alone with all the lights out and the the glow of the TV on my face as I watch Bluey and cry. Yeah, Pretty I think much. that sounds like that sounds like how my my Labor Day weekend is going to go at night. <laughs> I mean, that's, you think that's, that's, you think that's it will? I'm recommending Pete. It will yeah. make you feel yeah. blue. Eee. Ish. <laughs> or you could, or you could, uh, an alt for that would be to uh, take the joke from Arrested Development. After you've watched Bluey alone, you say, "I just blew myself." Oh, Mark, what? Okay, new topic. New topic. Okay, what I'm actually doing for Labor Day weekend, uh, Pete? You will appreciate this. I'm going down to the shore, baby. Land Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. <laughs> oh man, you're going. To, where, what? Where uh, are the? Uh, I guess you shouldn't tell us exactly where you're going to be, because then people would be able to find you, and then the TV well, fans. I mean, I'll, it'll be enough to say that I'm going to one of the dry towns on the Jersey Shore, um, so as not to attract the um, uh, what you might think of as a Jersey Shore crowd. 
Gotcha. Uh, so I, thought you, I really thought you meant ones where there wasn't any water. And I'm like, man, that pollution has gotten entirely out of hand. <laughs> it's just there's no beach. But no, you mean no no booze. Uh, no booze. Yeah, like no okay. bars and stuff. No clubs. Gotcha. gotcha, um, gotcha. Kitty amusement parks. Yes. Um, so that's our big plan. It's uh, it's going to be our kind of last hurrah for summer before the kids go back to school. And uh, I think we all know what that means, right? I, I have actually I have no idea. I have no idea what that means. I'll I'll just say that uh, today Labor Day is my dad's seventy fifth birthday. Happy birthday, seventy uh, first birthday. Sorry, jeez, jeez, I aged my dad up like half a decade. Happy birthday, Dad. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm uh, out of town celebrating with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to school. I thought like I thought uh, only New York goes back to school after after Labor Day, and the entire rest of the country like goes back to school on you know July twentieth or something like that. Like I, they, I think a large majority of the country, yes, is already back to school, but certainly like New York City public schools and probably like I, it's a Northeast thing, probably right, Pete. Um, like after Labor Day, we went back this week. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it might Labor Day. I don't know. What is it the um, Sun Belt? The Sun Belt has migrated uh, to, <laughs> to Massachusetts. Well, you know, I I wonder because the calendars, again, this is not a pop culture thing, but the calendars for schools have been under pressure because we had some years that had so many snow days. Right. And then, of course, we had COVID, which threw away all the schedules. uh, And how many times does your school have to close because there's like a COVID exposure or something? But I kind of wonder whether the school is starting earlier now than it used to so that it doesn't push into july if it runs over Hmm. on bad weather or illness days i'm not sure but uh i mean it's not that far off it's just the week before um for for us so uh you know psychologically it feels early doesn't it it does feel early that's true it does feel early it feels early it's like uh, you know the notion of like having a nice three-day weekend uh and then uh you kind of you know get the kids ready Mm. um and send them off on their new adventure uh, for a new beginning, a renewal, right, if you will. Right, right. Well, how I mean, how is it? How is it for you? What do you What do you do? Do you buy oh. like encyclopedias or books or like? Uh, I oh don't yeah, know. yeah, twenty six volumes of Encyclopedia Britannica, and uh, you load about six <laughs> of them into a four year old's backpack on the first day of school. So you kind of toughen them up, you know. Um, no, that uh, for for a four year old who's still in preschool, uh, that that there there are no Encyclopedia Britannicas. I don't think encyclopedias are really a thing. Well, Okay, that's the you can get a world book still. I see those on. on okay. I, I, I get tempted when I see world books in person because it's got the big well, elephant on it. You gotta, you gotta love that elephant. So I'll just start and say, like, you know, my view on the quote unquote back to school ritual is still like evolving and early. Even like you know, last year was you know the the transition from uh, sending the kid to a just daycare where there were just you know there was no academic schedule to hew to. It was just like. Childcare is either on or, or off, you know, and, uh, for uh, pretty much all the time, except for major federal holidays and that sort of thing. And now with a with a proper school calendar, it's like, oh, okay. Well, first of all, there's bazillion holidays and uh, a proper spring break and things like that, and then a whole summer break where you got to figure out what to do with your kid. Um, but a definitive end to the school year and looking forward to the beginning of another one. Um, and I think as we got older, certainly, and definitely when we were in college, that. Um, came to us to symbolize, you know, a chance for a fresh start of sorts, right? You know, whatever grades and, uh, you know, dorm and other baggage that you had from the previous uh, spring, um, the summer cleansed it all away and September comes. And although the natural world is starting to decay, it is a new uh, moment of birth. 
for the student. Um, and uh, and I, I'm sure that's what my four year old is thinking <laughs> when he's going to go back to the same school with by and large the same students, but uh, a, a teacher that he has seen before. <laughs> Um, there'll be enough new things and a new set of expectations that at least a, 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 a small portion of that spirit will be with them. That was uh, that's so, what back to school, I mean, that's what back to school means, uh, me, meant for me and what it's that was to, so inspiring, Mark. Like, well, I wanted to like fun. sing, sing to myself, da 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 you know, I wanted to, to just yeah, like, they, they piped that into the, the school, uh, you know, the PA. <laughs> Would you describe morning. yourself as feeling pure Gint pressure in that instance? <laughs> I like. I well. I I don't know, Pete. You have younger. You have younger kids. So I mean, school. Yeah. The beginning of school might not mean the the quite the same the same thing. But you feel a shift around this this time of year, yeah? Yeah. I mean, there is a rotation. I mean, they're at a they're at a daycare. They're not you know quote unquote in school. But we call it school. And the idea of the beginning of the school year. Has is translated into the daycare setting, so that which is part of because of course we're talking about culture. This is a cultural event. It's a you could almost describe it as a meme, right? And that it exists uh, in relation to the school calendar, but it's this pervasive idea that then spreads out and kind of reproduces itself in other settings. And one of them would be you know in a daycare. So it's it's back to school for my one year old daughter, right? Like who is. Uh, who is now, you know, maybe not necessarily an infant, but perhaps a toddler, you know. So we have to, we meet, we had back to school night, we meet the new teachers, you know, the whole choreography that you would do in a whole back to school situation, we did with the daycare. Uh, and it, it has to be imitative, right? There's a mimesis of some sort that's going on, uh, if not a simulacrum. Uh, uh, but they are, they are imitating a thing that really happens. And yeah, and, and again, um, you know, my son, he's, you know, he's three and it's a sort of a pre preschool situation. Um, but, you know, they had a big sign first day of school, even though it's not a school, but we call it a school. Uh, I think I think that uh, it shows how this whole concept has proliferated beyond its its original purpose or its sort of, uh, you know, material ma- material impact. Do you mean the uh, way the, the way like uh Think of them as Walgreens holidays or CVS holidays or Dwayne Reed holidays, whatever you want, because the like seasonal aisle or two or three aisles in uh, in your local drugstore is always like packed with, you know, pumpkin themed things around September, October or turkey themed things after that or like Christmas themed things after that or Valentine's Day themed things after that. Is this is this another are we kind of Hallmark holidaying? Uh, the back to school thing and and turning it into uh turning it turning it into a cultural cultural practice. The point of which is is consumption. Is that what you mean by kind of mimesis and simulation? That's not what I mean. Oh, okay, um, but that happens too. Because uh. certainly there's back to school sales and there's back to school sh- back to school shopping and all that other sorts of back to school. But it's more that because in this situation there's nothing else that we're we're already giving them literally all our money. Like, I don't have any other money. It's like they're getting all the money. They're not going to get more money because they did back to school night. Right. Like they are. They're getting all the money. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, so that I can work to make the money to pay them. Um, but uh, and to put a roof over our heads uh, that hopefully, you know, stays above the waterline. <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but all of that you have to listen to past podcasts for stuff like that. But um, but no, I think that people are reaching for something. There's a space to fill, 
right? They are looking for an occasion. They're looking for a way to do it, you know, it being very broadly defined, and that there are ways to do it. And one of the ways to do it is as a back-to-school event, especially this time of year. Um, what, what would be another example of something like this, where it's a pattern of organization that is associated with accomplishing something that's important, and people gravitate towards it for similar sorts of accomplishing of things, whether they're transitions or tasks, um, uh, because they're yearning for that sort of, I mean, what, like an election would be a good example, right? Sure. There's a lot of situations where people vote on things where voting is not necessarily like a great idea for deciding what you're going to do. Um, and you, and you reach for, did, did, I, did I ever tell you guys my experience, my experiment with ranked choice voting, um, no. which was interesting. So <laughs> I was trying to name an improv group. This was years ago. And I was directing the improv group and the group came up with all these names and they were trying to decide on one. And I decided because it was all the rage at the time that we were going to try ranked choice voting. Cause of course it gives you a superior democratic <laughs> experience. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And, and I found out that there are, like, several very big problems with ranked choice voting. Depending <laughs> on system Wait, this is a good digression. Do it. Do <laughs> it. Tell us improv, it. Was the improv comedy group named Eric Adams? Is that <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, yes, the, the, exactly. The, the quite suboptimal outcome that somehow oh, – I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody knows that the point of naming an improv group is to give people a sense of confidence – if they only think about the improv group once every couple of years, they're like, who's that guy? Yeah, he's fine. Um, no, no, it's uh, one of the big problems with ranked choice voting. Doesn't work if the number of choices is greater than the number of voters. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> then you get some very perverse outcomes where like all of the ideas get one first place vote. And then like one of them has two second place votes and the other one has three third place votes. Um, so, yeah, so too many ideas. We, we really we should have narrowed it down a lot more before we held the election. So it's the kind of thing where, like, the natural pattern would have been to, like, either pick the two top ideas and make them run against each other or have an election with a, a first-past-the-post kind of runoff, right? Like, uh, the, two, the two pluralities, then they go to bat against each other. And I would yearn for those because those are kind of familiar to me as American forms of voting. But then it's like, well, why do I have to do that? I could just do ranked choice voting. And it's like, oh yeah, like we end up with this option winning that literally nobody wanted. And everybody was just sort of sitting there like not comfortable with it at all. And like one person even spoke up and said like, I'm not going to, to allow this to happen. <laughs> like I'm going to veto this because the math of the voting was so off. But yes, it's, it's um, you really are depending upon certain norms around the mathematics. Obviously, it's not going to be a problem most of the time that you have more candidates than you have voters um, because the swings become very big. You end up with like individual single votes uh, in very, very low sample sizes, uh, you know, swinging the outcomes of the additional the, the sort of automatic runoffs. This was instant runoff style voting. Um, but yeah, and, and the other one is that it just didn't produce an outcome that everybody had any confidence in. And like it's like okay, well it won, and it's like well yeah, but I still don't want it. <laughs> like, so like so it's not going to be the name of the group, even though you ran an election. Where because because part of the point of an election like that is that it creates this theater of certainty, right? This like performance and this sort of social consensus around like uh, this is the thing that we agreed on, and and now it's settled, right? <laughs> even though of course everybody could still complain about it or eh, not complain, uh, not even argue, just come up with ideas and kind of talk about it and stuff. But we needed to move on. We had but to put to, something on the marquee. To return to your to return to your your question, like my 
in in answering like what are these sorts of ceremonies as ceremony is is the wrong word what are these sorts of practices right or or sort of yeah. social social rituals i the only ones i could come up with had to do with school because like school is really a measured way of kind of like codifying and and you know putting some rails around like accomplishment right? and and there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of things like that. I mean, what, like, like promotions or employee of the month, uh, ceremonies or something like that? Like getting your name em- em- emblazoned on the, on one of those little bronze plaques that, that go and your, your picture like stuck into the, into the plastic photo envelope on the, you know, uh, wooden plaque on the wall just to, uh, for, for the month or something that, that like, um, encode a sense of like a sense of accomplishment or a sense of like, Hey, something is right. Something is going right. Like something is going well, uh, because this is, you know, because this has happened. Um, Mm. but the, the, I mean, the, the interesting thing about, about the start of school is that it's, you know, it's an accomplishment. It, it's not, it's not an accomplishment. It's, it's a, it's a potential accomplishment, right? And that's been my favorite part of it for, for time immemorial. Like, I really love the back to school season, um, so much more than I ever loved going back to school, uh, so much more than I ever liked, you know, starting classes. Because when you start classes, you know, the sense of endless possibility just evaporates, right? Because it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually not taking better notes than I took last year. Like I'm actually not skipping the lectures. Like I'm actually not, you know, oh God, I, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go listen to Harold Bloom drone on for three hours about, uh, about uh, Shakespeare reciting pretty much verbatim the chapter from the giant Shakespeare book that I've already read. Like he, he put, he took everything he had to say about it. He put it in the book. Why am I going to this lecture anymore? Um, no, that's what happens when, uh, when school actually starts, but before school starts, like when all is possibility, um, it's wonderful. You know, it's a, uh, it's a fantastic sort of thing. I used to go in college, I would go to the bookstore, um, by myself and just wander up and down looking at the, the textbooks and, and other books for courses, like, and just imagine all the things that you could learn. And it was such a, like an awesome, literally awe inspiring, um, sort of practice. Like, and I always felt so good doing it. And every, every so often I would like just fall in love with, with, uh, wanting a book, you know, and I would just get like, get like an extra book from a class that, that, um, I would, that I was going to, I was not going to take, but I just, I wanted this textbook or this text from, from the class or something like that. And so what I have now is a bunch of unopened textbooks. Uh, and I have, <laughs> I have not, in fact, in the 25 years that I've owned it, I have not, in fact, read an introduction to historical linguistics. Though I really want to, I want to, you know, find the time and the discipline. Tonight's the night, man. Tonight's the night. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe it will be my labor with which I celebrate labor day. <laughs> I, but like, and, and the other thing that I loved, uh, in this vein was like office supplies, you know, was like nice pens and notebooks and papers and things, mm-hmm. you know, when I, you, you, you get them at CVS now, I guess, or like at Costco or something, you know, one gross of legal pads for $9 and 95 cents. Right. But the, the, um, 
uh, in, Treat in, yourself. Go to Staples. In the olden days, we used to have stationery stores, not even Staples, like bespoke stationery stores. And they had like, they had uh, uh, carbon copy forms or, or even better were the NCR forms where you didn't even have to have uh, a carbon thing. Pete, they had requisitions and they had, <laughs> you know, handwritten receipts. And they had uh, all kinds of purchase orders. Oh, purchase orders. So beautiful. So orderly. Like this promise of, of, uh, of everything, everything in its place. And so this kind of like, you know, it, it's a kind of, it's a kind of knolling that's not a, that's not a knolling of physical space. It's a, it's a hypothetical or prospective knolling of, of internal space, uh, at, at imagining, imagining as a, as a child or young man, the, uh, that the, you know, the kind of the, the chaos that was my brain could flow into these molds into the these ice cube trays and thoughts crystallize as perfect prisms of of you know clear and 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 sparkling sparkling accomplishment and then uh i would go to school and it would all fall to crap and that's uh that's the story but i loved i loved the time uh so much because it was all i guess it was all you know it's all potential before it before uh by the way you're yeah you're being very modest, Matt, because I think you were by quite a lot the best student among the three of us on this panel. While it, college, not close. But. Not close. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm sure that's not. Well, A, I'm sure that's not true. I mean, only for, for certain certain qualities of, of best. Um, maybe I faked it well. Yeah, doing, doing the work, getting good grades, like taking advanced <laughs> classes. And yeah, that's like, tough. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's tough. It's all just performance, man. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, we had spirit. No, you know? We came to a real salt of the earth wisdom, you know, real homespun, plucky sayings that we would bring to bear. Yeah, it's no, it's yeah, it's street, street smarts, <laughs> street smarts. <laughs> 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 no, I I don't. I mean, I yes, I guess I did. I did well in school. I did well in college, but like. I don't know. This is probably not, this is, this is probably not the forum because this, this is like, you know, no, no one, no one cares about, about, uh, no one cares about you if you get a degree with Latin honors. But the, the, um, the like, the thing is, I, I sort of lost respect for it when I realized how much of it I could fake, you know, Mm. and that, that like, to, to a certain extent, like, I, I was really disappointed that I was never, super found out <laughs> you know what you wanted to get caught well a little bit or a, I, no I, I mean i didn't I, I was terrified that i that i would get caught you know it's funny i'm looking at on my bookshelf i have uh against the day by thomas pynchon the the one the giant i think it's the most giant one of them all uh unread but you know looking looking really nice tonight's uh, night matt <laughs> maybe my now labor maybe my labor RPG, will be a labor yeah. against the day <laughs> <laughs> um but the but that like uh i i didn't actually read the entire then extant corpus of pension in the pension seminar you know i did i did like in the i did take advanced classes in in my field and that meant like four seminars uh a week like uh two or three hour seminars i had them on wednesday i had class on wednesday and then like uh my job for each of those classes was then to go home and read a 400 page book 
uh, for each of them every week. And I did not do that, guys. I did not actually, uh, actually do it. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, Mark, you kind of put me on the defensive a little bit. I know you didn't, I know you didn't mean to. It's my own, it's my own hangups, not yours. But when I, when I think about myself as a student, I, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't feel like I covered myself in glory in the, in the, in the, in the process, even though the result did actually come out, come out pretty well. And I suppose I am proud of that. Um, we were all trying to, yeah, we were all kind of trying to get by with what we had, you know, to the point of, you know, the the broader conversation, right? It was, it was a clean slate at the beginning of the year in terms of that. that, Long long story uh, short, it was a clean slate at the beginning of the year. (laughs) I think it's interesting that the thing that you feel like most threatened by is the thing about the new beginning that you're most excited about, you know, that you seem to be really excited to actually do the schoolwork. And it's the thing that then is, is what lets you down, um, which sort of seems to suggest something about the beginning <laughs> of this thing, right? Like that, like you, you sort of, you allow yourself to what? Because you already knew how it ended last time. <laughs> this is you're not just describing one particular year; you're describing all of them, right? Other well, than yeah, the this one, is maybe. that's funny because it's like a, it's like New Year's re- resolutions, right? Like how many times I've kept one New Year's resolution in my life? Uh, and oh, really? Yes, only one. I mean, you say you say that as though impressed, like that I've actually managed one. <laughs> uh, what was it? Can you tell us? Yes, uh, I. I and I actually recently celebrated uh, 15 years of sobriety, Pete. I had my last right. Dr. Oh, Pepper right. yes. on in uh, January of 2006, and I have not drunk a soda uh, since since that that day. Um, so yeah, I can't. But that was the only one I ever did, and I even messed that one up uh, because I I went to see a movie on January 10th. And, um, and just automatically without even thinking about it, without even remembering that I had made a resolution, uh, I got in line and, and got a Mr. Pib. And so my last soda wasn't even a Dr. Pepper, the glorious perfection of soda. It was the budget, you know, knockoff of Dr. Pepper. And, uh, and I have to live with that. I have to live with that every day of my life, you know, but yeah, that, that's the one the one new year's resolution. But I actually think my slip up on day 10, uh, of the new year is, um, is instructive because like how many times does a resolution or how many times do your, your fantasies about kind of a, a, a clean slate, a fresh start involve you being a completely different person than the person that you actually know yourself, uh, to be. And that like, it it would be a better framework. I think it would be a better framework, you know, to kind of like work on yourself and like make, could, could you make like half a degree's worth of a turn in like changing your course, you know, rather than like, rather than having a resolution that's about this outcome, which is, when when it all when it it comes down into practical terms like this outcome that is completely unattainable given the level of of training or conditioning that you're in given your like your uh, past performance given like the infrastructure that you've set in place to to support you uh like whatever it is like that all that stuff like uh you know um you 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 don't have any of that support and you imagine that you can um I don't know that you can can leap tall buildings in a in a single bound, and like I don't know, maybe a better thing would be like uh, you know work on my vertical jump a little bit. 
um, so this is interesting thought here. So New Year's resolution versus first day of school. As much as I was joking that it's sort of Sisyphean, right, to endeavor upon the first day of school because you often are going back to do the thing that you were doing already. And the sense that it is new, uh, you know, and, and is and is full of possibility is, is also contrasted against the fact that you've done it before, uh, at least at the point we are looking back at having done it already so many times. Um, but there's an important difference between the first day of school and the uh, New Year's resolution, which is you have summer vacation, or at least you have some sort of break. And I think there's enough, we know enough about humans to know that getting a break and then going back to it with like renewed energy and a sense of purpose is like totally part of being human. Like if you're doing something, you need a, you need to take a break from it and take a rest and then you can re- renew and come back, you know, and you'll be better at it or more enthusiastic about it, uh, more hopeful about it than you were when you when you last did it. And I feel like New Year's resolutions kind of happen at a terrible time. I don't know about you guys, because I know that hypothetically the holidays are supposed to be a time of restfulness or at least of celebration and lack of responsibility. But they sure don't feel that way. You know, like you're traveling a lot. You know, I mean, now nope. with kids, it's going to be even more right. Like so the idea that it's just like, OK, tomorrow everything changes. And it's like, well, OK, were you doing it before? Did you get some sort of rest or recuperative opportunity? And like, are you now kind of heading back into it with a fresh mind? Or are you like picking the time of year when you're most drained and kind of most depleted and then picking something totally unrelated to like endeavor upon with great force, uh, you know, next when you at a time when you probably want to take a breath and like relax a little bit? Um, I don't know. I maybe, maybe I would be curious to see uh, how the performance of. Whether I mean, I guess because going back to school is probably not correlated with high performance because it takes a while for people to get moving. But that's not what you're describing either. The enthusiasm to do the learning is not necessarily mean you're doing your best work. It's it's you're most excited about it. And the ideas you're going to ramp up into it. Um, I mean, I don't know, Mark, what do you think? Um, do you I, find I, the holidays I, exhausting and, uh, and yes, not suitable absolutely. for making commitments to do new things? And September is kind of a better season for that sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the break of two, possibly three months of, of a quote unquote summer vacation um, is uh, that that right amount of time um, to have left something, um, to have perhaps forgotten some of the harder lessons, harder lessons, and then enter a new thing with a new sense of naivete. Um, that is certainly a thing. Um, hey, hey guys, like, uh, you guys mind if we, if we kind of pivot to the other thing we're, 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 we're oh, yeah, yeah, about? yeah, 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 because it's a fresh yeah. start, man. It's a fresh so, start. Yeah. yeah, look at that. Back to school. New beginning. <laughs> Anything is possible. Anything's so, possible. <laughs> Kevin uh, co- Coincidentally, with the quote unquote back to school season, um, a piece of news, an interesting piece of news has crossed um, I- into the public consciousness about um, a plucky group, uh, let's call them entrepreneurs. Um, okay, fine, tech billionaires who have purchased loads and loads of land in the Bay Area uh, of California. And their idea is, hear me out, everyone, right? What if got a bunch of sparsely populated land and we created a brand new city? Clean slate, fresh start, new society. It'll be perfect. What could possibly go wrong? This sounds like a great idea. No? Is it going to be run by a sentient AI? <laughs> I, that's <laughs> probably on the roadmap, Matt. 
Uh, is it going to have some sort of heart, like some sort of beating orb in the middle that will need to be destroyed in order to liberate the population from the city that was uh, oh, supposed to be for their lives? Oh, that's, a, help, right? that's good. There's a there's a uh, not wind in the willows. What what am I? Th- a wrinkle in time. <laughs> there's it. That's it. Yeah. What's the- Sorry, I just I love the idea of the wind in the willows with like this pulsing, <laughs> glowing brain fungus inside the hollow of a tree. It it's is- just like dictating to everyone. It is. It's the expanding. <laughs> it's the expanding waddle of of the toad. You know, like yeah. ribbit. Ribbit. No, it's it's I sorry, Wind in the Willows, a wind in the door, right? Is the right. is the right, right, second right. book. That's that's where my my mind uh that's how I, I stumbled on on that. But yeah, yeah, Mark, I mean it sounds well, I don't know. What you you seem like derisive of of the whole enterprise. So that's I'm, I, I I'm guessing okay, so yeah. not to make it like you know, spend the next thirty minutes to just like pick apart this specific idea. Let's talk about the more general notion, right? In keeping of the theme of, of of new beginnings and you know back to school and uh, you know starting starting anew and that sort of thing, which is like there's this there's a seduction that comes to this sort of idea, like you know starting a new society of sorts from scratch, is that you can escape legacy costs, the burdens of history, poor decisions made before you, um, and like very specifically in the case of a city, oh I don't know, like you know crippling pension obligations <laughs> for a city government budget it's like what if we didn't have any of that what if we could just escape that and have like you know huge empty tracts of land and just kind of start over and build that all up again from scratch um which is a wonderful idea and i i i very much uh you know sympathize and and relate to a lot of the motivating uh impetus for all this but it i just can't help but think like it's it's not a lie it's just um, just incredibly false hope in something where, like, you know, they will very quickly find that there will like, they will bring certain legacy costs with them um, or they will not have the benefits of all of the things that came before them, you know, like established infrastructure and the set population and a culture, uh, you know, cultural base and all that kind of stuff. Um, so got and, it. we're celebrating Labor Day by union busting, basically. I mean, public sector unions, it's a little, maybe a little different, but yeah, but I don't know if that specifically is part of their plan there, but I mean, like generally speaking, right. You know, as we talked about before in, in our labor cast, uh, you know, public sector labor unions have certain sets of challenges that pose to governments. And one great way of getting away from those is just starting a new government and either not having unionized labor force or, uh, you know, just, again, starting from scratch. Right. You know, just being able to uh, establish a contract uh, uh, from nothing. Um, so, yeah, I get all the, the ideas, wonderful ideas behind this. But I, I feel like there's no really no such thing in, in this sort of context as a, as a true beginning. And that uh, they're going to run into a lot of problems and they will have brought a lot of problems with them that they thought that they would uh, manage to leave behind. Um, like, Matt, does that like you, you're familiar with the story? This is happening in your backyard. Yeah, right? no, I'm, I am. By which I, I, by which I mean, like many, many hundreds of miles up the coast. I mean, by by like f- familiar with it, like I've read one or two articles and heard some reporting uh, about it. So that's like and that it was like there was this secret consortium buying up land and it turns out that it's backed by like. I, you know, I don't know Lorraine Powell jobs and and uh, the the what's the Mark Benioff and a couple other people of of that ilk and yeah. you know who who think that because they built uh, some success or valuable businesses they built a few valuable businesses like this uh, qualifies them to 
what to redesign society in in their own image and i mean i just like i i roll my eyes at it more than more than anything like because it's it's the same thing i said about about new year's resolutions right like this is uh, utopian projects like this are based on the idea that people are something other than what they are you know and that's that's uh it doesn't work like it, it uh, the, you can't uh it's like the the sort of slogan wherever you go there you are well wherever you wherever you have your society it's full of people and that's the problem with it it being full of people is the people is the problem and that's uh you know you can't you can't get away you can't get away from that i mean set aside some of the the structural things that you're talking about in terms of like oh can we start a a city without like a bunch of pension obligations or can we start a city right with no uh social safety net or or probably like in the in the great tech billionaire way to you know privatize the gains but socialize the losses so could we could we draft off of someone else's social safety net would really be the way to uh to go about this that's in keeping with the practices of um yeah you know the the way a lot of these people have have run their businesses and then like uh you know i don't know can we dump all the garbage just outside the city limits so that the county has to do deal with it and it doesn't that's such a great idea Matt. doesn't go on our balance doesn't go on our balance sheet you know um let's hey you know what we're gonna make every resident homeschool their children and that's how we don't have to have a teacher's union (laughs) So how how long has this because I, I have a slightly different opinion on this than you do, Matt, but I, I mean, I don't think they're at odds. It's just a slightly different thought. Um, how long has this been happening? Uh, God, like, how long know. have they been buying this land up? Yeah. When did it, when did it start? Um, I it don't must know. have taken a few years, but and the whole thing is like it's only are- it's, it's it's they bought a quite a, a large swaths of land and they're now entering into various legal proceedings um, to be able to do the things they want. Uh, right, which but, like, so, changed, but what have uh, they actually done. like done yet? Bought tons and tons of land. So there's the land is just sitting there, right? There's like yeah. not there's 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 they're figuring things out. They're doing planning. But like for all of their designs. And whenever it is they decided they wanted to do this, you know, like it's nothing's happening right now that's sort of visibly impacting the world. And, and maybe at some point something will happen. I, what, I, what I guess I bring up is like one of the other problems with this kind of thinking is why, you know, like why would anybody do any of these things? Like like <laughs> people do stuff, you know, like people people are motivated to do things and the things that are kind of brought into the world are a result of the motivations of people bringing them into the world. And to give and, these folks some credit, like there's a very obvious thing. There's an incredible housing shortage in, in California, uh, you know, in the Bay Area in particular. So it's like, yeah, okay. But did they build houses? Like, uh, they that, didn't build that, any houses. Presumably, presumably that is the plan. Well, but I mean, presumably it's the plan, but, you know, call me when they actually do it, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, like it's, uh, I know that right. these things take a long time, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like one of the, um, the, the, somebody, the population in general would be much more responsive to the person who actually built a bunch of houses, even if they were in a, an incorrect or bad way, than the person who didn't build any of them because they spent a whole bunch of time planning on how to do it perfectly, right? Like, um, that would be, I mean, again, that, that, that goes both ways, though, too, because obviously um, people have different motivations to want to do different things. I guess, I guess what, I'm, what I'm suggesting is that one of the ways in which things develop negative characteristics is by existing, uh, which is similar, 
<laughs> which is like yeah. a sort of trick of the mind, right? It's like the school year can't suck until it, it's it's here, right? Like before you've been to school for the first day of the year, the school year can't necessarily suck yet because it doesn't have any characteristics. Uh, it doesn't have any experience. You haven't observed it. You don't know. Uh, and so like you can, you have a lot of plausible deniability. But even more than that, it's like, as you accumulate positive and or negative experiences, there are going to be bad things about it. And um, I think a lot of the time, particularly with utopian thinking, there's a lot of base rate fallacy where you look at the and I know I read this one book and I've talked about it on the podcast like 50 times. But um, the uh, you, you look at this thing that has a flaw to it and you imagine what it would be like without the flaw, without not taking without taking into account the other things that have come to exist alongside of it, right? Like, oh yeah, we could just pull this out and there will be nothing, you know, not, none of the other effects will happen, right? Um, if we just remove this one thing, it'll just get rid of the problems that are associated with it. Um, like, oh yeah, if we, if, if the people that work for us don't have any pensions, then fiscal management of the, of the place will be much better. And it's like, well, you're assuming that having pensions has like no impact on how your town operates, like who works there, how long they work there, their institutional knowledge, right? Like, um, it's a quick positive. Like we are projecting uh, quite a bit here in terms of like what their quote unquote plans may or may not be with regards to like a, a city, a hypothetical city workforce. But the, oh, the, yeah, the broader yeah, yeah. point still stands. Yeah, I'm just, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to stretch this into this idea of new beginnings, and that it, one of the attractive things about starting from scratch is that you can dispense with all the bad things, and you can also ignore all the good things, though. While you're doing that, maybe you just don't like the good things and you, you, you know, that's part of I mean, now now we're getting back to talking about Guardians of the Galaxy three, <laughs> which is what this was a lot of this was about. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm curious. I'm always I'm, I'm always skeptical about uh, utopian projects, again, as Matt has said, because people have to live in them, but also that not just because the people have their own negative characteristics, but that anything that the people accomplish that's a value is also going to have negative characteristics. Uh, especially just because there's so many different kinds of characteristics and signifiers you can associate with given signifieds. You can sort of spin that out eternally if you want. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. Do you think it'll be a giant amusement park? That would be pretty awesome. It's like critical role land or it's uh, what, what amusement park would you build on it? If you had to build an amusement park on this vacant land in California. No, nothing. What, Jaws what, land. Just no, yeah. What kind shark? of? No, there is a there is a Jaws land. It's it's at Universal Studios Hollywood. There's a oh. a beautiful a beautiful like old style uh, old style thing. I'm sorry, I could I could do a digression about this because I recently watched a you know 45 minute 4K video of someone holding up their phone on the Universal Studios tram tour uh, with all the. <laughs> With all the attractions after the, you know, after the um, viral joke tweet about uh, look at look at all the flooding in California. And it was a it was a, a video of the the Universal Studios attraction earthquake where like a flood comes down the stairs to the subway or something like that. Um, that was the the uh, the thing that I would, you know, that that prompted me to prompted me to do this. And all you do on the universal studios tram tour now is, uh, all you do is go into like narrow rooms, you know, rooms kind of like, like shoe boxes or tunnels really, and watch 3d movies projected on either side, creating this, you know, quote unquote immersive experience, uh, in, in the, the darkness of this, like this long tube. And that was, you know, they used to have a shark that jumped out of the water, a shark that jumped out <laughs> of the water. 
they had a shark, you know? The shark had a little water cannon in it, and it sprayed water up at you. Sharks don't spray water. They don't have blowholes. They have gills. But, like, whatever. The shark sprayed water on you as you were sitting there in the... Sitting there in the tram, it was glorious, and and it's gone, you know. So, but Matt, the, the the tunnel. At least the last time I did this, I was like a Fast and the Furious ride. You're in the dark tunnel, and you're quote unquote driving with Don Toretto. You're, you're is right. that not a, is that not an improvement somehow? Yeah, but how? I mean, could you have like an animatronic car or something like that? Like that's a, uh, I don't know. Like I I don't want I don't need to go Matt, to a, in, in this utopian society that we're building. Like you know, going into the tunnel and having the experience that way is is going to be for the best. Just trust us, Matt. My point. So, my point is. Pete, that that whatever amusement park that we're going to build is probably going to suck because it's just going to be a lot of VR crap. <laughs> oh, okay, so another thought about building this uh, utopia in the wasteland uh, that doesn't have to do with Fallout uh, is at one point I used to play StarCraft a lot. I don't play StarCraft a lot anymore. And I stopped many years ago. And uh, I remember when I was stopping, I was starting to have panic attacks while I was playing StarCraft. And so that's why I stopped. Uh, and, uh, and the, as you might know from playing StarCraft, I'm not making any intimations, Mark, that you necessarily like StarCraft or not, or, or Matt. I actually uh, haven't, but sorry, you would, you, I would think that I had, but, uh, Wild guess, just because you're from Alabama and people from Alabama famously love StarCraft. Exactly, um, exactly. but, but of course the, the objective of these sort of real-time strategy games is often to rehearse a particular order of operations that you can nail perfectly that involve a lot of complex inputs into the computer that you make in like rapid succession at the beginning of every game. And then it sort of spirals out into decision trees as things happen to kind of change what you're doing and your sort of opponent is also doing them and you're interacting with each other and you're trying to execute on these plans that you've predetermined and practiced. Uh, and, and then of course there's this element of creativity to it, but when you're actually in it, that's not really necessarily how it's experienced. There is really this idea of like, I'm trying to do it right this time. I've done it wrong before. I've done it wrong so many times. This time I'm going to try to do it right. I'm even going to try to stop caring about whether I win or lose. And I'm definitely going to try to stop caring about the like the like idea that this is some sort of space battle, right? And I'm going to just keep trying to do this thing right. And I remember the thought that, that got into my head that really forced me to stop playing. Um, which was that I was watching the little space Marines. Well, they're not space Marines because that's Games Workshop. They're the little the little Marines were, were walking across the place in space uh, to go fight the Zerg, who are not the Tyranids or the Protoss, who are not the uh, the Eldar and whatnot. And and I realized that where they were, there was no air. That like none of these these beings, like this simulated world in which they lived, which had like the simulated command center and the simulated barracks and the simulated factory, they were all put just so. And the economy is set up just to create the right amount of income. And I, and I had this sort of realization that none of them could breathe right? because this was a world that was constructed that had no air in it, um, which I, it sounds kind of crazy, but it's like. What I associate that with is just the sort of concept of being alive, right? And sort of the uh, like the element of existing in a systematic way that is sort of satisfying, like uh, being related to, to other sorts of things that other people are doing, you know, playing in a band, you know, dancing in a group, like that feeling of being kind of with people and kind of really nailing your part of the flow and kind of like knowing that you're trying to kind of do something in concert with other things. Uh, and, and there's this sense to it sometimes of, of like a heightened sense of being alive. It's associated with the flow state. Right. And like, and, and for me that a lot of that is in the breath and a lot of that is in the sensation. And I just realized that I was just not getting any of it from this game. 
and, and I was sort of horrified that there was no breathing. And I guess I would say the same thing about a giant plot of land over which the main the main work that's being done is legal work in that, like, nobody lives there. Nothing's happening. You know, there's sort of like a and I know that has that's where it all starts all the time. But like there's this idea of it's still perfect as long as everybody's not alive. <laughs> it's this kind of haunting thought that stuck with me uh, and, and eventually got me out of Starcraft. Then I went to League of Legends, which was no better. And I stayed there for a bunch of years. But uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if you've ever had a thought like that about like a video game world where it's like, oh, my God, like this, the pleasures and of being of, of simply existing, which would, would qualify as an imperfection to the thing that I'm trying to accomplish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it's like it, the, the, the space can't abide living. Um, uh, and, and in that sense, the utopia is sort of a death state. It's like a, it's like a, 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 Pharaoh's tur- a Pharaoh's tomb full of treasures and dead servants is like this sort of perfect world we've put together where nobody gets to live. Um, sorry, I got a little bit dramatic. That there. is so. That is so specific. That's you took us like quite a journey. Look Can I go man. back to the theme park thing that you brought up? Because I wanted to. Yeah, to, don't make to, a Starcraft theme park. Games Workshop will sue you because they all oh my look goodness. like Warhammer. Oh. Um, so we're talking about okay. You got this like you know uh, a lot of empty land and it's kind of close to a large metro area. And one instinct is, oh, we could build another metro area here and it can be our utopian society. And Pete, your other instinct. Uh, was oh you could build a theme park there, right? Yeah, um, because Spindle that is ex- skate park. That's exactly <laughs> what they did in Goshen, New York, which is a little about an hour and a half, hour hour and a half away from New York City. And uh, you know what they put there, Pete? What did they put there? They put Legoland there. Oh man, Legolas Land, my favorite <laughs> Orlando Bloom themed experience. Uh, no, yes, you mean uh, oh, Legoland? My you, draw, you slide Sorry. down, slide down <laughs> the tusk of the Oli font. Yeah, <laughs> ride the shield. Smirk no, at John Ray if you, if you want that, um, in VR. Um, also <laughs> in upstate New York is the New York Renaissance Fair, where you can Ooh. cosplay as an elf, uh, and so you can have your Lego Lost Land experience. Um, no, they built a they, they built a Lego Land theme park, um, you know, of classic brick fame. Um, not surprisingly, you know, it was decidedly mixed, uh, you know, reaction from the locals who were there who. You know, some of them, you know, looked forward to the increased economic opportunity and others, you know, lamented the you know, the loss of the small town community that they had, this, that and the other. And sure enough, of course, right, you know, real estate is a total different ballgame there because now you can, you know, flip a house and turn it into an Airbnb and rent it out for a bajillion dollars um, a, a weekend for uh, city folks like me to come and, and bring their rotten children uh, for, for a Legoland weekend. Uh, not that I've done that. Yes, I have. I've done precisely that. Rent a house for a, a full of rotten children for, for a Legoland weekend. Um, but that's like, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting instinct there, right? It's like, okay, you know, we could uh, have these ostensibly, um, you know, noble ends here to, you know, solve a housing shortage and, you know, uh, make a really improved society. Or we could just like, ah, like a theme park let's <laughs> just like you know aggressively <laughs> and extremely efficiently part money from parents hands and just take it and just milk them for all i don't work. know it sounds it sounds hard mark according to wikipedia beginning in 2017 locals protested they identified themselves as quote concerned citizens for the hudson valley <laughs> sounds right yeah and they, they they met at the legoland welcome center to protest the park's construction complaining about the lack of transparency because that's just a thing that people complain about um yeah that's uh but uh no they were not successful and legoland 
Legoland sprung up, you know, crazy. Because it had a strong impetus to exist. There was a, you know, even though it's bad, part of what makes it bad is the human intention behind making it, I guess. Right. Like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, it's not bad. Like I've I've had a good time there. Just, it it is bad in that, like the way that every theme park, is well, bad. it's it's not bad to found a city or to create a town, right? Lots of cities and towns get founded all the time, or at least they did back in the day. Like, uh, but probably still, like people get together and like start settlements and communities and stuff. And but I think it's just like what's what's your reason for doing it other than just doing it? I guess that's my question, right? Other than like I want to do this thing and I want to do it less bad than other people are doing it. Well, okay, like well, what's the thing that's going to really propel you and drive you to do it? You know, what's what's your what's your like what's your new notebook, you know, that you got that you got at the uh, bespoke uh, and you got at Babbage's or at the bespoke station. <laughs> the, the uh, yeah, the the I mean, isn't that what isn't every child that for for a parent? <laughs> <laughs> every child is a is a is a bespoke notebook. Is no, is every a, child is a new backpack. Every child is like something that you acquire in order to like motivate you and move you forward into a new year with the uh, with the impression that it's different than the last one. Yeah, and the, right, exactly a clean a clean slate, right? Like like surely, surely my generations of family trauma will not be visited on. <laughs> You know, on this, on this, you know, perfect, innocent little one, like I will stand like, I will stand like Moses before the waters and they will part before my hand. That's, uh, you know, I don't know. There's, uh, there's something charming about the hope, I I guess. I mean, I would, I would characterize it a little bit differently because I think there's something really sad about sending a kid to the new school year too, because you're acknowledging that they're a year older. And that they're a year closer to ultimately leaving you, right? It's like it's like one of the ideas, right? Like uh, uh, the, the the childhood is so beautiful, and the sort of renewal and visitation that you get to make with youth, you know, in childhood is this sort of beautiful thing. And then there's this sort of and any any sort of passage of time has this sort of bittersweet aspect. But there's an interesting is asymmetry in information between the child and the parent because the child doesn't go into the next school year thinking like, how different am I than I was last time? You know, like it's like, oh, what's new? What What is the new thing that I'm going to encounter? Not like, oh, how much have I changed since the last time I checked? Uh, that that might be an, an element that they consider at times, but I don't think back to school is the time where that most kind of gets called into question um, or called into into focus. And, and the idea that like, what if we were to look at the California, uh, the California model city, the model home, the arrested development model home that's being built in Northern California. Sudden <laughs> <laughs> Valley. Yeah. Along these lines where it's not like, oh man, we have this new opportunity to do this. It's more like, okay, how are these people now different than they were when they did the last thing that we paid attention to? And I guess that's part of how we all call it into question, right? It's like, well, are, we have to assume they're not until they, dem- we demonst- they demonstrate that they are. They should just show up and stand there in, like, new outfits and just get a big smiley picture in front of it instead of trying to hide behind shell companies and obscure their involvement. Um, although I'm sure they're doing that just to try to keep the price from going up. Um, uh, or just they don't want to go out there because there's no bathrooms in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I heard, uh, that, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I heard that there were issues already with with the, the prices running away and like lawsuits about price gouging, which is rich. But the uh, 
Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. I like them. I like them. Uh, I like that thought. I like maybe they could wear like a jumpsuit or something, like matching yeah. jumpsuits, you know, and hold hands and like sway in the you know in the barren desert <laughs> of the of uh, California, right? Like in the the um, the I mean, sing a song, maybe maybe have a theme song composed and you know sing it sing it all together. I, mean, um, I probably live this in this city <laughs> on rock and roll. They already the theme song already exists, Matt. You want to go to Utopia, go to Rhode Island, man. Right? Because that's I live in like the Utopia capital of America. Like every other town was founded as a utopia at some point. Right? It's like we're gonna leave that other place that sucks and make our own utopia. Oh man, this utopia oh, sucks. Hence, Let's go to this other utopia. Of, uh, hence the name of the capital uh, city of Rhode Island, Providence. Exactly. Which is <laughs> a perfect society, especially free of organized crime, right? <laughs> Look, here's the thing. People live there, all right, man? <laughs> That's the problem with Rhode Island is that people live there. <laughs> Organized crime is, in fact, made of people. It's well, like, you know, the spirit of the founding of Rhode Island is very positive. <laughs> like, oh, you know, we're going to have some moral freedom and, and uh, we're going to have a friendlier relationship with the, the natives and everything's going to be better. And now it's going to be better. And now it's going to be better. Uh, so it's just I don't know. It's um. It's interesting to look at those places emerging as like how did each one change from the perspective of looking at it from the outside versus how did they what did they think they were doing when they left the last place or were chased out with sticks and guns <laughs> to go found the next place. Um, and uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Here, can I can I pitch you guys another sort of thought? I've had a lot of weird thoughts in this podcast. I've had another weird thought I've wanted to pitch you guys for a long time. Good, let's do it. Uh, I mean, let's I, close. Right. Let's let's close on this. You got uh, you got the parting shot. Pete. pitch your thought. Pitch okay. the thought. So this this is a this is a problem with uh, first principles political organization with utopian thinking with fresh starts. And just with kind of coexistence on this planet, right? And, and it's another asymmetry of information problem. So one of my favorite pop culture entertainments, and I don't know if you guys do this also, but I'm sure a lot of people do. Uh, and I think it's probably becoming more popular is like listening to people's terrible relationship stories or requests for relationship advice on platforms like Reddit, right? Where people will be like, this is, this is my relationship. It's incredibly terrible. <laughs> like, what should I do? Am I reasonable? Like, what's going on? Right. It'll, it'll be stuff like, hi, you know, I'm a 19 year old woman dating a 42 year old man and he opposes me eating sandwiches. And I wonder if I'm being unreasonable. Right. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, it's not that bad, but a lot of it, some of it is actually really interesting. And, and, but a lot of it is like, oh my God, these people are like so terrible. Right. Oh, and this internet, person, internet rubbernecking for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sort of like internet rubbernecking around people who are in terrible relationships. And I mean, there is something positive that's happening because often it's people saying, like, leave the relationship, right? Like, leave, just go, just go. You can't fix it. Just leave, right? And I feel like this is kind of perfect because, on one hand, from the perspective of the person in it, the perspective you want them to have is that they can have this fresh new beginning. Right. That they can find something better, that they don't have to stay in the society that they're in and they're sort of micro society. They can leave. And I think that, you know, we've all probably experienced that at some point where we've you know been in some sort of situation interpersonally in a relationship situation, a living situation. And we just there's been some sort of problem and there's just no way of fixing it. And you really just have to leave. And eventually you leave or they leave. And then all of a sudden there's that like release and relief and and crying and like things are better and there's sort of a fresh wound. But like there's this new hope and this new possibility. And and I feel like this is sort of a, it's it's another model. You know, if you have like new day of school, 
right? Uh, you know, first day of school, New Year's resolution, you know, a big breakup would be another thing that's sort of like a big fresh start. And, and the thought that I keep having about this is like all of those people who were the other person, where the person where it's like, you got to leave that guy. You got to leave her. She's being terrible to you. You're being abused. Like, you got to go. All those people vote. Right. Like they don't they don't cease to exist. All of the terrible people that you hear about in all of the relationship rubbernecking <laughs> horror stories uh-huh. <laughs> that where it's like you need to leave. You need to go. There is no solution to this behavior like they don't cease to exist. They're still there and they're part of our society. And there's dozens of new ones every day that you get to read about. Although maybe it's the same guy just doing it over and over and over again. But like this idea of like, does your idea of a society provide for some sort of role for the person who's the worst boyfriend ever and everybody, and then you have to leave him, <laughs> but then he has to continue to exist, right? Oh like, my gosh. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like, cause if you make everybody live in one building, then like, that's a big problem. Cause this guy's going to be there. Right. <laughs> like, and then you can't leave him. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you're leaving him, are you leaving him with somebody else? And is that person going to be bad off? Are we believing that when people start over, they have an opportunity to kind of get better and change. But like, what if we measure that and find out they don't get better or change, right? Like, like what, how what what population of the voting public do you think in the United States at one point our crappy, was like our crappy boyfriends like crappy boyfriends a, yeah yeah certainly I've been there I've definitely been a crappy boyfriend in my life oh hundred like, percent you know yeah 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 so it's like but like I like to think that I've you know tried to work past it and become like a passing husband uh, <laughs> like I try to be a good husband but yeah like like um but just like how many are out there where it's like people that you would your only solution to them is not to talk to them. I mean, I know this is this seems to come around to something that's a very common sort of realization. But I think on a micro, it's sort of sort of that whole micro macroeconomics problem, right? Where we sort of understand on a macro level that there are breakdowns in discourse in society, but then on the micro level of the breakdowns in sort of the individual discourse, we all struggle with that. And we talk about it. It's called Thanksgiving. We have a holiday for it. <laughs> right? like, but just this idea of like, okay, so how long does this garden of Eden in Northern California last before somebody's like, hi, I'm a 25 year old man dating a 27 year old woman. <laughs> and she told me that I can't call myself a sports fan because when I watch TV, it makes her feel threatened. And so I can't watch my sports. And I understand that people have boundaries and I want to be, I want to be good about it. You know, I've, I've decided I'm not going to watch sports anymore on my TV and I'm actually throwing the TV away because it's making her uncomfortable. But she's making me like not go to this baseball game with my dad. Uh, and and I'm kind of am I being re- unreasonable by suggesting that maybe I should a i t a a i t a right? That's the question. DTMFA. How long does Utopia last until it has its AITA moment (laughs) where all of a sudden there's a person living there who has like an irreconcilable problem? (laughs) I mean, I was just saying people are the problem. This is this is this is what I was saying. (laughs) Pete, I look at it. I look at it from uh, a different situation. Uh, sorry, from a slightly different perspective is that people in that situation, um, people who kind of find themselves, who sort of work themselves through a series of, of decisions or, or events into a really untenable relationship situation, um, very often, uh, don't have, you know, fantastic 
personal resources of self-esteem, self-worth, and like, you know, strong family systems to fall back on. Uh, like, so, uh, so the, the advice of like, you know, of, uh, well, just, just leave, leave. You gotta, you gotta get out of there. I, I always think about that person and be like, well, yeah, out of there to, to where? I mean, yeah. you know, so well, there's this great place in Northern California that they're building. <laughs> it's going to be a refuge <laughs> for people who are in bad relationships and internet message boards. And they're all going to get to move there after they, uh, DTMFA, man. <laughs> <laughs> So it's going to be called uh, D- Dimitvaville. Right? Like, or... <laughs> oh, man. I think it's maybe time to dump the podcast already. Ah, Labor Day. It is, Labor is no, done. no, no. It is, it is interesting. Your, your, your social utopia has got – like your, your utopian social project is doomed unless you figure out how you are going to deal with everyone who is on the receiving end of the of – the, NTA AITA posts, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's like, because those people exist. Yes. They, those people exist. They don't, they don't cease to exist because you, you know, I don't know, because you call your city council, the grand Kiva. Um, I'm, uh, you know, like they, they're still, they're still there. People continue to be the problem. And, and that's, I think our Labor Day message for this. <laughs> Uh, for this year, wherever, wherever you are, I hope you're, uh, I hope you're celebrating happily and, and safely and enjoyably and that you're, uh, you know, uh, getting some rest, getting some rest from your labor so that you can come back to it, have a blank slate, feel hope, feel boundless possibility, feel, uh, all the potential that, that you hold within yourself. Thank you for listening. And thank you very much to, uh, to Pete and to Mark for podcasting. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It It probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve.